Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I have your attention? No need to touch that dial. Just kick off your shoes and relax your feet. It's time to unwind. And what better way to end your day than an evening with Pastor G? An evening. An evening. If there's a question on your mind, he'll answer it in time. An evening with Pastor G. This morning to the Old Testament. The book of 2 Kings, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. 2 Kings, chapter 10, 1 through 10. Hallelujah. And there we find these words in this passage of Scripture. Ahab had 70 sons living in the city of Samaria. So Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria, to the elders and officials of the city, and to the guardians of King Ahab's sons. He said, the king's sons are with you, and you have at your disposal chariots, horses, a fortified city, and weapons. As soon as you receive this letter, select the best qualified of your master's sons to be your king, and prepare to fight for Ahab's dynasty. But they were paralyzed with fear and said, we've seen that two kings could stand against this man. What can we do? So the palace and city administrators, together with the elders and the guardians of the king's sons, sent this message to Jehu. We're your servants and will do anything you tell us. We will not make anyone king. Do whatever you think is best. Jehu responded with a second letter. If you're on my side and are going to obey me, bring the heads of your master's sons to meet me at Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the 70 sons of the kings were being cared for by the leaders of Samaria, where they had been raised since childhood. When the letter arrived, the, king, the leaders killed all 70 of the king's sons. They placed their heads in baskets and presented them to Jehu at Jezreel. A messenger went to Jehu and said, they have brought the heads of the king's sons. So Jehu ordered, pile them into two heaps at the entrance of the city gate and leave them there until morning. In the morning, he went out and spoke to the crowd that had gathered around them. You are not to blame, he told them. I am the one who conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? You can be sure that the message of the Lord that was spoken concerning Ahab's family will not fail. The Lord declared through his servant Elijah, this would happen. Look at verses 8, 9, and 10 again. Jehu ordered, pile them into two heaps at the entrance of the city gate and leave them there until morning. In the morning, he went out and spoke to the crowd that had gathered around them. You are not to blame, he told them. I'm the one who conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? You can be sure that the message of the Lord that was spoken concerning Ahab's family will not fail. The Lord declared through his servant Elijah, this would happen. For a few moments this morning, I want to put a text, a tag on this text and preach on the thought, the cost of victory. The cost of victory. God, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. God, keep us in your hand. Keep us in your care. God, for those that have lost loved ones in the midst of this pandemic, for those that are in the hospital. God, just comfort families near and far. God, help us to keep our eyes on you. Now, God, I've studied, I've prepared myself for sin of fresh anointing. 
It's anointing that makes the difference. God, someone on Facebook need a word. God, someone on the faith line needs a word. So help me sit down that the preacher might stand up, that we might all leave saying, did not our heart burn within? And God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise forevermore. And all the people of God said, amen. The cost of victory. The beginning of the year, we declared that this would be the year we experienced God like never before. I'm sure now that many of us, we had no idea what we were going to be going through, but for the rest assured, we are experiencing God like we've never experienced God before. And in the midst of saying that this was the year that we were going to experience God like never before, we declared that um, this would be a year that we have to be undergirded with prayer. I want to suggest to somebody who's listening, somebody who's watching, that this has been a year that you found yourself praying like you've never prayed before. If we're going to experience God, prayer is a, a critical part. And, and then we declared this would be the year as we experience God, that we would be studying his word like never before. How, how ironic that normally we would assign a book of the month, but we declared at the beginning of this year um, that we would be reading through the Bible the entire year, experiencing God like never before. As we find ourselves now and then walking through the Bible, uh, uh, you're reminded that nothing catches God off guard. Isn't that good news to know that, that nothing catches God off guard. Even this pandemic that we find ourselves in, nothing catches God off guard. And as we're reading through the Bible, we come across some interesting and some intriguing stories. Stories that if someone did not tell you they were in the Bible, you would think that they were coming from the twilight zone. Stories that if somebody didn't tell you they were coming from the Bible, you would think that it was one of Alfred Hitchcock's Presents. Such is the case of our text this morning that we find in 2 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. King Jehu kills every male descendant, every offspring, every free man, every servant, and anyone of association with Ahab. Uh, let me refresh your mind who, who Ahab is. Uh, Ahab was one of the most notorious kings to ever rule Israel and turn them away from God. Catch that. King Ahab was, was one of the most notorious kings ever to rule Israel and turn the people of God away from God. He, he was a wicked man. He was an, an evil man. And, and in fact, his wickedness and evil was only matched by that of his wife, Jezebel. Recall in 1 Kings chapter 21 that there was a man by the name of Naboth, and, and Naboth had a vineyard that was right next to the palace, and King Ahab wanted his vineyard. And so he, he goes to him and says, uh, uh, um, give me your land, and, and I'll give you a reasonable price. I, I'll set you up somewhere else uh, throughout the kingdom. But Naboth says, no, uh, uh, this land is near to me, it's dear to me, and so I want to hold on to it. I want to cherish it. And the, the Bible says that King Ahab was unsuccessful in being able to uh, attach the land to his uh, 
property, attached the land to his land holdings. And so he goes home. He's upset. Uh, his countenance has, has changed from happy uh, to sad. And, and Jezebel says, what's wrong, uh, honey? And he says, I, I wasn't able to secure the land that I wanted. I wasn't able to secure the vineyard. And so Jezebel contrives a plan. She concocts a plan where uh, she has Naboth killed so that her husband Ahab can say, ownership of his land and ownership of his property. She has Naboth stoned to death. Naboth is dead and now she declares to Ahab that you can have the vineyard. It's all yours. The text tells us then that the man of God shows up and says, Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 21 and 21, the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. And after the reign of King Ahab over Israel, his son Ahaziah would come to the throne. Yet the evil of his father Ahab penetrated his heart, causing his reign to be short-term. Second uh, Kings chapter 1 and verse 2 informs us that, that one day while in the upper room of his palace, uh, uh, that he falls and he suffers a, a severe injury. And in the midst of uh, um, suffering a severe injury, word comes to him that he will not recover from this. Uh, can I pause and just remind someone that his reign serves as a reminder not to become intoxicated with success because uh, it can be short-lived if it's not godly. I, I, I better say that again. Don't, 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 don't become intoxicated with all your trappings of success. Don't become intoxicated with all that you have going on because uh, if it's not God-given, if it's not God-inspired, uh, it will be short-lived. And so uh, his kingship is short-lived. He doesn't have any children. And so uh, Joram, his brother, becomes the next king uh, over Israel. Uh, and, and his epitaph would read in accordance to 2 Kings chapter 3 and 2, he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but not to the same extent as his father and mother. He at least tore down the sacred pillar of Baal uh, that his father had set up. However, when a famine broke out in the land, King Joram blamed Elisha, who was Elijah's successor, and put out a wanted dead or alive marker for Elisha's head. Don't, don't, don't forget that. Hold on to that. King Joram has now come to the throne. He is the son of Ahab, and, and there's a famine in the land, and so he blames the man of God for what's going on in the land, and so he puts out a marker. He puts up posters uh, all over town saying, won't it, dead or alive, as it relates to Elisha. This and uh, other detestable acts angered God to which he commissioned Elisha to consecrate Jehu uh, as Israel's next king. Aside from Ahaziah and Joram, King Ahab had 70 sons uh, through his many wives and concubines. Uh, such offspring would have ensured that generations of Ahab's descendants would sit on the throne. Uh, yet there is an expiration on, on evil and wickedness. Uh, you ought to shout right there uh, and, and realize uh, that there is an expiration date uh, when it comes to evil. There is uh, an expiration date when it comes uh, to the wickedness that may be going on uh, around you. Uh, 
King Jehu sent word to the elders of the land. He sent word to the city officials and the palace guard saying that choose the best qualified of your master's sons to be your king and prepare to fight for Ahab's destiny. But they were paralyzed with fear and said, we've seen that two kings couldn't stand against this man. What can we do? It's a reminder to you and I uh, that if God be for you, uh, who can be against you? Uh, it's a reminder uh, that you may look like you're in the, 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 the minority, but if God is on your side, uh, then you're really in the majority. Uh, in fact, somebody ought to shout right where you are and say, I will have the victory. You ought to shout and say it again. I will have the victory because God is standing on my side. And so the king's men sent word back to King Jehu and said, nah, we ain't rolling like that. We standing on your side. And Jehu says, all right, if you're on my side, if you're on the Lord's side and you're going to obey me, the Lord's representative of Bring the heads of your master's sons to me at this time tomorrow and Jezreel. Don't miss this. Earlier there was an all-wanted dead or alive bulletin put out on the man of God. And now the man of God says, if you're standing on the Lord's side, if you're standing on my side, bring me the heads of your master's sons tomorrow by this time at Jezreel. The text goes on and tells us that the leaders killed all 70 of the king's sons, placed their heads in baskets, and delivered by way of DoorDash to Jehu. And Jehu ordered, Jehu says, pile them up in two heaps at the entrance of the city gate and leave them there until morning. Pile them there so as the people would come by, as they would approach the city gate, they would see what has transpired. And verse 9, it says, In the morning he went out and spoke to the crowd that had gathered around them. You are not to blame for this. I know there's calamity in the land. I know things are going wrong in the land. But he says to the elect, you are not to blame for what's going on. You must understand the ideology and the theology of the day. The children of Israel thought that any time anything happened to them or against them, it was something that they had done themselves. But, 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 but Jehu says, yes, you've done some things that have brought about wrong. Yes, you've done some things that have brought about a fall. Yes, you've done some things that have brought about your demise. But in this case, it's nothing that you have done that has caused what's transpiring to happen right now. Then the question is, uh, who calls this? Uh, because whenever calamity strikes, uh, whenever there's trials and tribulations in the land, uh, we begin to look around and ask the question, uh, who sinned that this man was born blind? You remember in the New Testament, there was a blind man. And the question raised, who sinned? Who caused this to happen? And you need to know that whenever calamity strikes, there's three reasons. First and foremost, sometimes we're going through what we're going through because we brought it upon ourselves. Oh, come on, you might as well be real. You might as well shout. You know that you've gone through something 
things in your life all because you made the wrong decision, all because you got ahead of God, all because you took matters into your hand. You caused what you're going through. But then sometimes we find ourselves going through something and it has nothing to do with us, but simply because God caused it. God allowed it. God said there'll be a greater glory that you'll have resting upon you when you come out of what you're going through. But then sometimes we have to understand that God may allow it, but he does not cause it. Okay, let me help you out. Sometimes, if it's not because of myself, sometimes if what you're going through is not because God caused it, but he allows it. Sometimes you're going through what you're going through because of the evil nature of mankind. You have men that say, we're going to build a tower of Babel so we can reach unto the heavens. Sometimes you have men, in accordance to Judges chapter 17 and verse 6, that says, and everyone did what was right in their own eyesight. Sometimes you have men in laboratories that are working on biochemical welfare, warfare, and it causes disruption all across the land. Jehu lets Israel know that while God did not cause the calamity, he called it. God, I think you better shout right there. He says, children of Israel, I want you to know that while God did not cause what we're going through. Uh, uh, he called it God. Uh, can I bring it home? Uh, God did not cause the pandemic, uh, but he called it. Uh, God uh, did not cause uh, COVID-19, uh, but he called it. Uh, verse 10, Jehu states, uh, you can be sure that the message of the Lord uh, that was spoken, there it is, uh, concerning Ahab's family uh, will not fail. Uh, the Lord declared through his servant Elijah that this would happen. Uh, what are you saying, man of God? Uh, the Bible says uh, that God lets us know uh, that if we obey him, uh, we will prosper. Uh, but if we disobey him, uh, there will be consequences. Uh, the Bible lets us know uh, that if we make the right move, uh, we're going to be successful. Uh, but if we make the wrong move, uh, we'll succumb to our own will. Uh, can I help somebody out uh, during this lockdown phase? Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was watching family members uh, play a game of chess. So they were at the table uh, playing chess and I, I was standing uh, and I was watching over them. I was observing the moves uh, that they were making uh, and, and based on the moves uh, that were being made, uh, I called uh, who would have victory uh, and who would suffer defeat. Uh, you need to know that every now and then, uh, God is the great observer uh, and he's standing up uh, and he's watching over the moves uh, that we make uh, and based on the moves uh, that we make, uh, he calls uh, what's going to happen. Uh, you want some word to go with it? Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen. Uh, if my people, uh, which are called by my name, uh, shall humble themselves uh, and pray uh, and seek my face uh, and turn from their wicked ways, uh, then will I hear from heaven uh, and will forgive their sins uh, and heal the land. Uh, Ahab's lineage uh, forgot that it was God uh, who called them uh, to sit in the place uh, 
that they're sitting. Uh, can I tell somebody this morning uh, that whatever you have, uh, you ought to thank God uh, because God has allowed uh, you to have it. Uh, whatever your title, uh, whatever your position, uh, whatever you drive, uh, wherever you live, uh, you ought to give God some praise uh, because God uh, has allowed uh, you to have it. Uh, that's a great place to shout in your living room. Uh, that's a great place uh, to shout in your bedroom uh, and say, I have what I have uh, because God has blessed me to have it. Uh, Ahab's lineage uh, forgot to humble themselves. Uh, and the Bible tells us uh, that if we seek to exalt our own selves, uh, we'll be brought down low. Uh, but if we can just go down on our knees uh, and cry out, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. Uh, no other help I know. Uh, if thou would draw thyself from me, uh, where shall I go? Uh, Ahab's lineage uh, forgot to pray. Uh, can I tell somebody uh, now more than ever, uh, what we need to do uh, is be found on our knees um, calling out to Jesus. Uh, now more than ever, uh, while we're driving our cars, uh, we need to call out to Jesus. Uh, now more than ever, uh, while we walk around our houses, uh, homes, we need to cry out uh, to Jesus uh, and say, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, uh, standing in the need of prayer. Uh, Ahab's lineage uh, forgot to seek God's face. Uh, is there anybody here this morning uh, said, I'm going to seek his face. Uh, I'm not looking to the White House. Uh, I'm not looking to the officials. Uh, I'm not looking to uh, the medical teams. Uh, but I lift up my head uh, towards the hills uh, from which cometh my help. Uh, somebody ought to shout uh, and say, my help uh, comes from the Lord. Uh, you ought to shout and say, my help uh, comes from the Lord. Uh, the Bible says that Ahab's lineage uh, forgot the turn from their wicked ways. Uh, and because they forgot the turn from their wicked ways, uh, Ahab brought destruction. Uh, Ahab brought damnation uh, down upon uh, his family. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Ahab uh, caused it, uh, but God called it. Uh, but I've got some good news for you. Uh, that is that while Ahab caused it, uh, and while God called it, uh, God said, I'll claim victory out of it. God, uh, you better shout right there uh, that God says, I'm going to claim victory uh, out of what's going on. Uh, I wish somebody would shout right now uh, and say, God's going to claim victory uh, out of COVID-19. Uh, I wish somebody would shout right now uh, and say, God didn't cause the pandemic, uh, but he's going to get some victory out of it. Uh, I wish somebody would shout. Uh, I've got loved ones in the hospital uh, and God didn't cause it, uh, but he's going to get some victory out of it. Uh, I wish somebody would shout right now uh, and say, I'm going through uh, and God didn't cause it, uh, but he's going to get some victory out of it. Uh, he's going to claim uh, the victory. Uh, somebody better shout victory. Uh, it's going to be God's. Uh, the Bible says uh, that during the 28th year uh, reign of Jehu, uh, I think you missed it. Uh, I said during his 28 years uh, of ruling as king, uh, here's what God allowed to happen. Uh, he used Jehu uh, to tear down the temple that belonged to Baal. Uh, he used Jehu uh, to cut down the astropoles. Uh, he used Jehu uh, to have victory uh, after victory uh, after victory. Uh, and here's where you ought to 
shouts. Uh, the Bible lets us know uh, that from beginning uh, to ending, uh, whenever he experienced victory, uh, it came at the cost uh, of blood being shed. Uh, somebody better shout. Uh, I think you missed your shout. Uh, I said that whenever uh, that Jehu uh, walked in victory, uh, look around uh, and you see the cost that was paid, uh, the price that was paid, uh, some blood had to be shed. Uh, I've got to get up out of here, uh, but I've got to tell somebody uh, about another time uh, when some blood was shed uh, so that there might be victory. Uh, go to your Old Testament uh, and the children of Israel uh, were getting ready to come out of Egypt. Uh, they were headed to the promised land uh, and the Bible said uh, that all the firstborns uh, of the Egyptians, uh, that they died. Uh, the Bible said uh, that the lambs were slain uh, and blood was put over uh, the doorposts. Uh, I want to tell somebody, uh, if you're going to march in victory, uh, look for the blood. Uh, but I've got another time I remember uh, when you was getting ready uh, to go into your promise. Uh, when I was getting ready uh, to go into the promise. Uh, when the people of God uh, was getting ready to go into their promise. Uh, I know another time uh, when some blood was shed. Uh, you remember when it was? Uh, it was one Friday uh, that they stretched him wide. Uh, it was one Friday uh, that they hung him high. Uh, it was one Friday uh, that his blood uh, dripped down. Uh, but the cost of victory uh, was Jesus shedding his blood. Uh, and because he shed his blood, uh, you and I can face tomorrow. Uh, because he shed his blood, uh, you and I will have the victory. Uh, and so I tell somebody, uh, listening to me, uh, your family's going to be all right. Uh, I tell somebody uh, who's going through furlough, uh, you're going to be all right. Uh, I tell somebody uh, that's suffering uh, with migraines, uh, you're going to to be all right. In fact, don't wait till the battle's over, but go ahead on Faithline. Go ahead on Facebook and shout right now and say, thank God. Thank God for the blood that was shed for you and I. Whenever we're going to march in victory, blood is shed. That's the cost of victory. That's the cost of victory. Some blood has to be shed. Jesus shed blood. Lambs were slain in the Old Testament. And in this Alfred Hitchcock Presents story, lives were lost so that Jehu <coughs> might have the victory. Thank God for the blood. It's the blood that gives you victory. It's the blood that covers you from all your, your mess-ups, your mistakes, your screw-ups, your downfalls. It's the blood that's going to launch you into your promise. That's not how the story ends. They scratched them wide. They hung him high, bowed his head, and then he died. But that's not how the story ends. That's what I want somebody who's listening to me, somebody who's watching. I, that's not how your story is going to end. It's not going to end in defeat. 
and it's going to end in disaster. I, I, I know it's crazy looking right now. But three days later, it gets worse. Thank you for listening to An Evening with Pastor G. This concludes tonight's podcast episode. Please remember to tune in next week, same time, same podcast station, and always remember to keep walking by faith.